Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Death Holler. I'm the Reverend Dr. Death. Joining me, as always, is La Urena, and we're discussing the further adventures of one Fred Krueger. <laughs> this episode, <laughs> we're covering Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child from 1989. Uh, tagline, over Beethoven, it's Freddy's fifth. Oh, I'm going to fucking throw up. Oh, my God, that's bad. That's uh, horrible. Now Freddy's a daddy, he's killing for two. What? I'm serious. That's one of the taglines. And then another one, evil has spawned. Okay, evil um, has spawned is one thing, but the other two can fuck right the fuck off. <laughs> they're, they're bad. They're real bad. Uh, directed by Stephen Hopkins. Written by Wes Craven as the character. John Skip and Craig Spector, although... They contributed, uh, the, the the actual script that they had for this movie was not even used, and only one thing that they had from the script was used in this, And but they had to be given credit because there were like a line of dialogue that, that got like kept over from their uh, original screenplay. And then Leslie Boehm and, uh, did the story and the screenplay that actually ended up in the movie. Okay. Um, music by Jay Ferguson made on a budget of 8 million, which is less than the last movie, but it only made 22.1 million. <clears throat> yeah. And I think, I think that low intake on money was kind of what prompted the next movie to be called Freddy's dead when they were considering just killing the character off period, you know, um, like they've done in every movie so far ish. Yeah, Quotation I mean, like, marks. Just ending the franchise because they, they saw diminishing returns basically. So, Ugh. Air bunnies, uh, as as, uh, as what's her name calls it. <laughs> uh, principal players: Lisa Wilcox is back as Alice Johnson, who is once again our final girl. Woo! Um, and uh, she's a different final girl in the sense that she actually has a child and is impregnated, which is normally not within the rules of what you allow a final girl to to be. But mm-hmm. like it, it works. Um, Robert England back as Freddie. Uh, Never heard Kelly of him. Joe, Kelly Joe Mentor is playing Yvonne Miller, uh, who's a friend to Alice and uh, the doubting Thomas of the group, uh, refuses to believe in Freddie until she's fucking like forced to toward the end of the movie. Yeah. Well, you gonna uh, learn. Uh, if there's an opposite to a uh, doom prophet, it would be her. Basically. Yeah. Uh, Nicholas Mel plays Dennis Johnson, Alice's formerly abusive father. Uh, Whitby Hertford plays Jacob Daniel Johnson, who's the dream child in question. Uh, Valerie Armstrong plays Mrs. Jordan, Dan's mother. Uh, Bird uh, Benning plays Mr. Jordan, Dan's father, and they're a bunch of rich assholes, basically. Uh, Dan Hassel's back as Dan Jordan. He's the baby daddy. Uh, Eric Eric Anderson plays Greta Gibson, who's the rich girl with a bitch mother, uh, and uh, hinted that she has eating disorders, but because her mom kind of makes her have an eating disorder. Oh, she's a fatty. And then we have Joe Seeley playing Mark Gray, the comic book geek. Um, synopsis. One, two, Freddy's coming for you. Three, four, better lock your door. Uh, five, six, grab your crucifix. Seven, eight, better stay awake. And nine, ten, he's back again. Uh, Alice is pregnant, and it seems her unborn child, Jacob, has inherited her dream powers. This somehow allows the spirit of Freddy Krueger to once again manifest and begin harvesting the souls of Alice's friends and loved ones. Will Alice be able to stop Krueger before he takes over young Jacob's body and is reborn to kill again? Motorcycles probe their riders, eating disorders turn deadly, and reading too many comic books are bad for you. It's a boy. Shut up. <laughs> 
that's literally the only line that came over from that script from Spectre and Skip, by the that way. Is... Was that is. That particular line. I want to go home. <laughs> Body count. A whopping three people die in this movie. Barely uh, a serial killer. He did the bare minimum. Uh, to be honest, he's a fetus, so give him some slack. <laughs> Uh, but seriously, yeah, that sucks. Uh, Dan Jordan uh, is fused with a motorcycle and it crashes into a truck in reality and dies. Um, that was a long Freddie death. Gibbs. Yeah, it took forever because he like he's in the truck, he's mm-hmm. he's sleeping while driving, which is never a good thing. Yeah. But, um, he gets uh, he 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 escapes the truck because Freddie's playing around with him, I guess. Rolls out of that, uh, ends up in like a swimming pool area. Uh, is able to call Alice or whatever uh, somehow. I don't know if it's like in, in, in dream-wise, I guess, is what they're hinting at through a payphone. And then, like, as he's trying to make her way back to her after that, he gets on, he finds a motorcycle because the truck has crashed or whatever at this point. And then whatever, and then it, uh, and just he slowly becomes like a cyborg fused with a motorcycle. Yeah, really cool effect. Pretty by cool. The way. Looked like, painful as fuck, and they show like legit show the dead body after the scene is over and you can just see him burning in the fire. And I'm like, this is uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's, if you're going to have just three deaths, you better make them memorable. That's, oh. that's basically the gist of it. Yeah. Um, uh, Greta Gibson is cut open and fed to herself, choked to death. Um, and a little note about both of these, that scene with Greta is so disappointing because, like, it, it's just there and it, it's gone in, like, a split second. But yeah. it and the motorcycle were both cut severely by the MPAA before they would allow them to get, like, a rating that they needed to, like, show this. And so that's the reason that they're so short because there was, that scene with Greta, like, he was stabbing her guts and, like, ripping out chunks of her intestines and, like, plopping them into her mouth, yeah. like in that saying. Uh, um, you are what you eat. <laughs> What's that? You are what you eat. Oh, yeah. I thought you was quoting the line because it's the one line that I took. It's, like, his best quote because he's feeding her. He's like, bon appetit, bitch. You know, no. like, that's, again, you know. Um the motorcycle scene also had a lot more scenes showing like just the damage that, that was being done to Dan's body in that scene with more of like the cables, like underneath his skin and all kinds of stuff like that. Yeah. So, uh, and then Mark gray is slashed as a paper boy, uh, crushed to death. Like he turns into a little comic book character and he cuts to p- and gets cut to pieces. So, I mean, um, I really got some take on me vibes from this. Oh, I'm glad you said that. Cause as soon <laughs> I was waiting for the music to play. Take <laughs> <laughs> I was like, they totally ri- literally ripped, <laughs> ripped yeah, yeah. that from it. I was just waiting for that to pop up, like it, it you know, because it was exactly that that video was what yeah. it was. I um, do like the way that when he bled, he bled the colors from his comic. So, like, it wasn't his blood; it was the color. I like that. Um, I like the the way they portrayed his comic book hero, like and him in that form or whatever with the guns. Yeah, and like the, I mean the way they did that, and the take on me animation was actually good. I, I give them credit; they actually put some effort into what limited deaths they had in this movie. Yeah. Um, 
uh, quotes from Mark Gray as the Phantom Prowler. Time to die, you Scarface limp dick. And then fires a bunch of times until Freddy changes. And then he becomes Super Freddy. Faster than a bastard maniac. More powerful than a loco madman. It's Super Freddy. And then uh, he changes back and turns Mark into a paper and slashes him. And then Freddy Krueger says, told you comic books was bad for you. Um that's the kind of quality we get in these movies for yes. the end, guys. That's what we get. Uh, Greta Gibson, you're the one who's always slapping my hand about my weight, mother. And then Racine Gibson, that's why we diet, dear, so we can eat at social events and not upset our other guests. What the uh, hell? And then, and then Greta back in response, tell you what, why don't I just eat the whole goddamn tray? Go throw up and come back for seconds, okay? Uh, <laughs> uh I'll give that that uh, the actress who played Greta uh, some you know kudos here. Like she when she does at the beginning of the movie when she's doing that like wasp you know when I say wasp like white Anglo-Saxon Protestant like that you know uppity like white person voice like she does a very good job with it when she's like making fun of her mother. Yeah, you know it's like because she's even holding her teeth. It's like well we have to eat at the Hamptons. You know like that yeah. sort of you know like way that they talk. I'm like yeah she's pretty good at pretty good at that impression. Um, this scene between Freddy who's stuffing the food in Greta's Ugh. mouth, sick, sick and helping. And then Ray scenes like, don't talk with your mouth full dear. And then Freddy's like, you are what you eat. You know, that line that you mentioned. Yeah. Uh, it was so <laughs> gross looking. It was cheap, yeah. but gross looking. It, it reminded me of the scene from uh, the Monty Python's The Meaning of Life where you have the, the character in the restaurant and he's like uh, grossly obese. And like he, and you know, and then uh, the, the waiter comes up to him and he's like, would you like anything else, sir? And he's like, oh, I could not have another bite. And then he's like, uh, he's like, what about a wafer thin mint? And then the guy agrees to it and then explodes or whatever. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a good scene, but it was, it looked like they had took that scene and ran with it. It's what it looked like. They probably did. Uh, and then Greta Gibson, the bottom line, Alice, if anybody's trying to hurt you supernatural or not, you're going to have to go through us first. And then Yvonne's like, all of us, right? And then Alice responds, that's what I'm afraid of. <laughs> yeah, because uh, they will. Yeah, he, he will go through all of you. Uh, visually, this movie's got some very good visuals in it. Yeah. Like, and I'm not even talking about those deaths that we just mentioned. I was surprised. I, I remember hating this movie as a kid. And it's still not great, don't get me wrong. But... I love the gothic look that the the director tried to bring to this movie, like the the like the old like cathedral castle like look that he had for like the you know, Amanda Kruger's like you know the play, the tower that she was locked into, yeah, uh, the uh, labyrinth uh, ripoff that they did at the end of the movie where they had like the MC Escher like steps going like in different directions and they were chasing after uh, Jacob and you know Freddy or whatever mm-hmm. uh, it's a, and, and it's a direct ripoff folks from like Labyrinth I mean it's oh, almost yeah. like the same exact scene as Dave Boy you know with a baby and you know Jennifer Connelly like running after him well um, in the world of you know <laughs> flat out ripping things from other people we call it inspo it's inspired by <laughs> Uh, it's a riff on that. It's a, a, rem- a remix of it. Yeah. Uh, is what the what they say. Um, but no, I mean, like, I, I got to give them credit. I even like how this movie was lit. Like, we talked about the last movie seeming cheap. This movie actually had good lighting in it in a lot of scenes. It had that, you know, like that gothic, like you know, the scenes whenever they're supposed to be dark were darker. It was well lit. They that. Uh, I, I don't know. I was just impressed visually by the movie, even if I didn't like how you know the story seemed like just 
pasted together and like, you know, the lack of deaths, deaths in the movie and all that. Well, this one didn't look as cheap. Now, there was some definitely like, okay, so like, and for, I want to make this reference because Freddy Krueger or Nightmare on Elm Street in general has this thing where you can tell you're ripping through a rubber body, a rubber body part, etc. That's just what they do. So you, I, I don't really count that in my, this movie looked cheap. So like when... In, in part four where her arms will, were bent and she turned into a cockroach. The skin ripping and becoming insect arms, totally, that's just how they do. In this movie, it was her face and everything when she was being overfed, Greta. And you could tell it was that cheap, rubbery look that she was going to break apart eventually because it's easier to do, but they, they make it look good. It, it might be a little cheesy, but it's definitely effective. And we're not even throwing in the fact that they had, uh, they went back to the Ray Harryhausen type of, you know, stop motion effects in this movie. Because oh, yeah. There's a scene where Alice looks in the fridge and like all the food oh, in there yeah. lost, but it's clearly like, it's almost like the Pee Wee's Playhouse yes. like look that he had whenever he like opened up the fridge. I almost and forgot then, about um, that. And then the scene where Yvonne is like in the, the pool area and like all the, you know, tendrils come up out of the pool or whatever. And they're like Freddie's fingers or whatever they're supposed to be. That is like a uh, stop motion effect. Like, and, and she plays on like a green screen type situation. So, yeah, um, it's, it's it, like we've said before, it's janky looking. It, it's kind of cheap, but at the same time, it, there's something nostalgic and like fun about it. Like it doesn't detract from the movie that way. Um, yeah, and uh, this movie didn't look cheap. It, it didn't. That, that's the thing that surprised me when I watched it because I was like, I remember hating this movie as a kid, but it's actually a better movie in some ways than part four was. Yeah. I mean, uh, I liked Alice better in this one. Like, I feel like they got better, like, use out of uh, Lisa Wilcox in this. Like, her acting is way better in this. I mean... Uh, maybe it's, and she does admit that she was a little bit like skittish in the first movie and this one, she kind of like had more confidence in herself. So that, that definitely plays a part. But I mean, regardless of that, she's a better actor. Like Dan's, you know, he's barely in the other movie. He's just like eye candy for the women or whatever. In this one, he's got a little bit more substance to him. Yeah. Um, the only, I mean, it's just the, the, the scope of the movie is the worst problem because it's like, you know, first of all, the whole thing about Freddie like coming back through like Alice's like fetus, where did that come from? Like that just, I mean, I, I, I know where it came from idea wise because I think it's in the, in the trivia, like one of the producers who had been pitching this since like the third movie, like finally got her way whenever they didn't have another idea for a script. And because when she was pregnant, I think during the, the making of the third movie and they kept saying, it's like, what if Freddie, you know, like had, you know, she had this image in her mind of like these claws, like, pressing and then maybe even one of the people like went along with it too pressing like freddie's claws like ripping out of a woman's like pregnant belly or something yeah. from the inside and so she just kept pitching it and eventually they're like yeah we don't have any other ideas let's do this um but like that seems kind of just like thrown in there uh and then like the way that they kill him at the end of this one it's a little bit better and it, it, it's a little bit more explained than it was in part four because in this one it's like jacob's like throw using his own power that freddie has given him to like you know like basically expel freddy from you know the coming back but like it's still like very threadbare as far as like yeah. an explanation for anything um but the story but, but i mean like i said i was really surprised by the visuals and the sound's not bad in it either it's more of like an orchestral gothic theme that kind of fits like the look of the movie but 
it's not bad. It's just, I, I kind of miss like the eighties that, that we got in the last movie a little bit, but as far as like, I, I can't really hold it against it. I mean, it's really just that that's the story just kind of didn't go anywhere. didn't do anything. Yeah. Um, and, and they only had 12 weeks to film this. Oh, like, wow. That, that's the thing that kills me. Yeah. Because the, the, the <clears throat> director was talking about it. They were having at any given time, they had three different sets going on. And that, that was the complaint by Lisa and some of the actresses because the director was so like in a rush and not his own fault. He, he wanted more time, but he just didn't have it because they wanted such a quick turnaround that he would be on one scene with them and they would start the filming. And then he would like here. And then somebody would say, Oh, we're ready for you to pick up this one scene. And another, you know, cause how we talked about with movies, they're always picking up whatever scenes they can for the interstitials, you know, whenever they can, it's usually not filmed in order. And so they would tell him and it's like, he didn't have enough time to, he would just tell him, he's like, continue with your scene. They'll keep filming. And he would have to rush to the other set just to pick up that part of it. So he was in like three places at any given time, like constantly. That's insane. Um, he even said on that, never sleep again. He said, I don't know how I did that. He said, I was younger. He said, but he said, if anybody came to me now, he said, I would tell him to fuck off. Yeah. Like he said, there's no way I would try to even attempt to do what I did during this movie. Oh so. yeah. I don't fucking blame him. <laughs> but I mean, I, I feel like he had a legit talent cause I like what he did in the movie with what little he had. It's just that there's not, they didn't, he didn't have enough time to flesh anything out. It was just bam, bam, bam. We got to get this done. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on? I've kind of just went on my part of it, but. Mm, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with you at all. I, I just can't, I can't believe that. <laughs> The timeline, a 12-week long film, the budget being less, and I guess there was a lot of work involved by, what's his name, um, well, Freddie, Frederick himself. It goes to show you how little is need needed to make a film a good one. Yeah, I mean, uh, budget-wise, they didn't need that much. I mean, they, uh, yes, they only had three kills, so they could take that budget and really pour them into those three kills. But, I mean, it, three good kills versus, like, one where you literally have a pair of gloves floating at somebody's, you know, chest or whatever. And, I mean, I'll take that any day. I know they rent. I mean, I think that they should have, if they couldn't film Rick dying, you know, in a decent like way in the last film, they should have just cut his death from the movie or something. I figured you know, it out. Like, I, it didn't make sense, even if they were trying to keep a line or whatever, or they had filmed his. Uh, they said he was, or they filmed his funeral. Yeah, they filmed that funeral scene with him, but they could have cut that out. Yeah. And said, okay, we're going to go a different direction because well, this is just too cheap. Like, I mean, we're not doing this. You yeah. Know? Um. And, and just, like, the way that the lighting was done, the way the lines were delivered, it just it felt like more quality than the last movie. I, I hate to oh, say yeah. it because I know a lot of fans out there still hold this up as, like, the next best sequel versus three. But I, going back and watching it, I don't know. My taste has changed. I like what the guy tried to do in this one. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I could, the hard part is, is that you can have a pretty good storyline, but it better be amazing if you have to cover up for the fact that visually it looks cheap. Um I think, unfortunately, I feel like you can get away with a better-looking film that ha doesn't have as strong as a storyline. And I'm not saying that that's what happened here, but I am saying visually, right off the bat, when a movie looks good, I'm in. You know? Uh, that's just how well, I am. It's, it's a visual medium. It makes yeah. sense. I mean, if you can have the whole package, then yes, you have a Citizen Kane, you have a, you know, 
you know, uh, Quentin Tarantino Pulp Fiction or Reservoir Dogs, you have that type of thing going on. If it looks and has the story to back it up, that's like, you know, meeting a 10 in real life. You know, she's got the personality <laughs> and she's got the body to go along with it. But, I mean, let's face it, a lot of us are shallow. And if it looks good, at least we've got that to go off of, even if it's got a bad personality. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I mean... It's and it's it's a visual medium first and foremost, and you and if you if you look cheap, it's harder. If you, because uh, I mean, it, there's some independent films out there. The stories are not bad in them, but the movie is so cheap, it's just hard to get over. So I mean, it's you know, you really got to work to like those movies, and that's why I feel like uh, just upon like inspect, you know, watching these, you know, for this review. I, I tended to warm up on this one over what I thought because I was really dreading it when I watched it. I'm like, I actually like this better than the last one I just watched in, a little, in, in different ways, but, I mean, I did. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's it was just a weird sensation because, like I said, I remember as a kid, I did, did not like Five. The only thing I remembered about it was there's the creepy-looking kid in the movie yeah. and the fact that she was pregnant and uh, something about Fountain or whatever at some point because I think in the movie she sees, like, Freddie's face in a fountain when she throws a coin or something oh. and, like, you know... Uh, and that's all I remembered about the movie and, and the stairs. Like I remembered something about a weird set of stairs. Like, but I mean, it was my least visited movie. Once I watched it, I was one and done with it as a kid. And going back, I'm just like, I really appreciate what the guy was trying to do, even if he didn't have the time to do it. Yeah, this is my first time watching this, so yeah, I, I don't have anything. I don't have the memory of my childhood to to compare it to. <laughs> Uh, and I remember a lot more about liking part four, but when I went back and watched yeah. it, the same things that I liked as a kid are the only things that hold up now, which are, you know, the cockroach scene and some of the deaths that way, you know, like it's, you know, it, it just feels like you, you've got somebody who's less, uh, less of an artist at their craft. And I hate to say it about Ring Harlan. I don't remember. I don't know much else what he's done to really compare other than prison. And I like prison for what it is, but it's another one of those schlocky, you know, like, you know, top movies. And I just feel like the, the director of this one, uh, he Hopkins, like he just, he, he's better at his craft or at least I appreciate what he does better. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say about this? And it is kind of moving on a little bit, but not really, um, the story. What, what, what are we thinking about the story? I'm kind of in the middle. I'm on the fence on it. Well, like I said, I mean, I, it's, it's on the one hand, it's, it, there's not a whole lot there, but, yeah. uh, but then again, it's got more substance to it than the last one. Literally yeah. they're back by dog pissing. I mean, yes. in this one, they at least try to set up that, you know, Amanda Kruger's spirit's still out there. Uh, so they brought that back, yeah. you know, you get a little, and it, it expands upon her and being raped and, you know, and they even had the scene where they show one of the inmates looks like Robert England. So, I mean, cause it's just him. So, I mean, Freddie directly gets his, you know, looks at least from that one maniac. So they kind of set that up. Um, but, um, they, they have in that where like the, the, the souls that he's harvesting through the use of the child's dreams, uh, he's feeding in the child so that he can like, uh, actually be reborn in real life and, that, <laughs> you know, to get to, and, and so it, it, it makes it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but it makes more like you know sense than just you know a dog pissing. I mean, it, the, yeah, that's I will give it that. I needed you to kind of give me a little bit more clarity on that because I mean, not the not the dog pissing. Like we we get that 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 was dumb, uh, and I'm that that was a joke that was taken just a little too far. But in terms mm -hmm. of this one, 
Uh, like oh, basically, okay. if he fed Jacob enough souls, then Jacob would become possessed, basically, and then and Freddie could move in there and and be physically born again. Yes. Is what is what he was trying okay, to do. Okay, that makes sense. Um, and then at the end of it, when Jacob takes those souls using his own dream power that he's he's got directly from his mother and uses them to uh, attack Freddie, and then like the souls come back out, kind of like a, a redux of what happened in part four. Yeah. Um, but still cool because they did a different thing with it. They had like the three people in the movie that were killed, like come out of the back of his head and they dragged him, you know, uh, away or whatever. I, I That made sense too, to a degree. Um and they even had that scene where, like, Jacob looks at uh, uh, Alice and tells her, he's like, Freddy exists because he's still inside of you. And remember in the last, man, they're, they're actually contributing the lore in that sense because in the last movie, if you remember, the only reason that Freddy was able to use Alice was because whenever Kristen sent her soul or her powers or whatever you want to call it, out into Kristen, they passed through Freddy, so Freddy tainted them. Like, oh. he put it like, it's almost like a horcrux from, like, the, you know, uh, Harry Potter movies. It's like part of his being inhabited, uh, you know, Alice. So that's the reason he was able to use her to branch out and start killing other people. So in this one, like he's still part of her and like the, and her son tells her that. And so she, and you got that scene where she separates from Freddie, where the two of them emerged and that, you know, it, it janky, but still yes. done in a, in a fun way. And she said, and she actually brings him out of herself. So she expels that part of Freddie out of her. So it, it makes more sense than the last movie did. Yeah. Um, still, like I said, it's, it's the story's weak. I mean, but it, you know, it, I do, it does feel better put together in that, in that way. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to say about before getting the trivia for this one? Um, I don't, well, we didn't really, well, yeah, I guess we did kind of talk about acting music. There wasn't anything to bring up music wise. Other than it was part of the time. There's not a whole lot of actors in the movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's not a whole lot of mo- uh, actors in the movie because it's a very small cast, to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, uh, Dan is better, even though he's not he's not really in it that long, uh, at least versus the last movie. He's not a stellar actor by any means, yeah. but the guy even admitted it. He, he says on Never Sleep Again that, like, he didn't even expect to be cast in the last movie, like, you know, in part four. He was like an extra that showed up, and they were like, we like your look, we're going to cast you. Yeah. So he's just thrilled that he even had a job, you know. I would be, too. I mean, like, my man's is, is speaking the language, you know. <laughs> uh, Yvonne did her part. Like, I mean, she serviced the role that she was supposed to play in it. Uh, Mark was okay in his role as the Prowler and then of the comic book geek or whatever. I mean, there's really... Uh, Jacob's kind of weird. He gives me like uh, children of the corn vibe. Yes. I don't know if that, if that was deliberate or not, you know, if anyone were um, to complain about someone who is not very reactive at that kid. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, he loves it though. I mean the, the actor who played that character, uh, because like they had him on never sleep again. And like, it, it's still one of his favorite things that he ever did. Oh, like, yeah, he I bet. said that, he said that Robert England was, uh, and, and this is sad, and I don't know if this is in the trivia, but um, he had just lost his father before this movie. Um, and, you know, that that's bad at any age, but, like, he was a kid, like a small kid. Yeah. And his dad had died, and he said that, he said this movie actually helped him heal because, like, when he got on set, Robert England, like we've discussed a million times, 
was such a sweetheart and like took him under his wing and like you know it's it's so funny you know freddie being like the horrible like, yeah. child killer that he is like robert england's complete opposite like he you know the kid said he's like he helped me you know get out or helped me transition through that period with my grief or whatever. And he said, I'll be forever thankful for Robert England for being, you know, doing what he did for me. And that, that's just, I mean, that, that's, that says a lot about Robert England as a person that he did that, you know? Yeah. Well, and you have to think about it too, is that they can, people complain that child actors are the hardest to work with because they're little people with big emotions at the end of the day. And you have to imagine that no matter how, prestigious of a child actor you are i mean like how mature do you have to be in your brain to be able to handle a set like friday not uh, friday the 13th or nightmare on elm street actually nightmare on elm street is what we're talking about though and so you see a character like freddie and he's fucking scary i don't care again how much of a good actor you are and robert england wants to make sure hey this kid knows that despite what we're doing i am a person and a nice person uh, you know, I, I won't actually hurt him. So, well, it goes back to what you were talking about with, uh, I mean, when we did the Evil Dead Rise, you know, spoiler cast or whatever. Um, I worried about just watching that movie about that little girl who plays like the youngest daughter in the movie because like the stuff that she was, you know, in theory being exposed to. I mean, I know there's a way from the cut around and film her scenes outside of it, and they probably did. But, I mean, good God. I mean, like, I, I can't imagine a kid her age, like, seeing shit like that. Yeah. And, like, it not affecting her somewhat, you Yeah. Know? So, and, and you know what's crazy <laughs> is that the the woman who played the, you know, the, the mom, the possessed mom, is she was, like, basically, in a nutshell, she was, like, fuck them kids. You know, not so much the kids in the film, but, like, she goes, I had to go to a really dark place to be a mom that's abandoning her kids, basically. Yeah, I mean, you. yeah, you'd have to to be able to tap into that. I mean, and I mean, we talked about before, there's been a few other actors who, uh, you know, tapped in such a dark place like filming the movies that they did that like, and I, and I, I wish I could remember which one it was. I just saw something the other day where there was an actor who was in a horror film and he talked about a character he played and like the, and he said he, it never left him. He said he got into such a dark place the role that even to this day it kind of it bothers him and you think i oh, will buck up you you pussy you know yeah. that's the pretending but like if you're doing your job as an actor you've got or an actress you've got to tap into that mindset to make it believable and if you're playing a very dark character i mean that can fuck you up i mean because you're everybody has their own like the was it the nietzsche's like you know uh came up with this like the the uh, the shadow self, I think is what they call it. And everybody's got one. And we, we always deny that it's there. If we do, we compartmentalize it, but these people have to tap into that and they have to face that shadow self. And when you do that, I mean, you're literally staring at the worst version of yourself and that's hard to do. Yeah. And it's hard to do and not have some effect from it. Yeah. That's insane. <laughs> so, so I mean, <laughs> yeah. Good on him for like, you know, realizing, uh, I mean, I know that got... Oh, go ahead. Well, no, go ahead. Oh, I said uh, good on, you know, Robert England for realizing, hey, let's make this kid's life a little less of a hell while he's on its set, you know? Well, yeah, and especially, I mean, you know, realizing the kid had just lost his dad. I mean, I, you know, the kid might not have delivered, like, as much as the acting, you know, as he probably could have. But, I mean, you know, I, I don't know how as a kid you you do a job like that and with your father just having passed away and it – and and not like just be, I mean, cause he couldn't, 
the character wasn't supposed to be like, you know, like portraying him because he was partially and so like I know that immediately his like surface emotions would have been that he wanted to bring like the sadness and the anger and everything that comes along with losing a parent, you know, to the forefront, but that's not what the character you know, needed. And so the fact that he didn't bring that into his, is, I mean, that, that shows that he, you know, was at least acting in that sense. Yeah. Um, just, I mean, it, it's, it's hard to think about. I mean, if you're not in that position and, and not knowing it and you've just watched the movie, it's like that kid's flat. You know? Yeah. But, but then you don't know the real uh, trauma behind <clears throat> it. Yeah. So anyways, I just thought I'd throw that in there. Cause he mentioned it and I was like, damn, that fucking sucks. Like, I mean, you know, I was a lot older when I lost my dad, and it, it still hurts. So I oh, can imagine yeah. as a kid that young and then and then turn around and have to, you know, work. deal with that like, while you're working. But he said, but but he did say that it actually helped him. The, the job actually, you know, helped him move through it. So at least there was that. Yeah. God, I, I just can't imagine a super friendly Freddy Krueger. Okay, son, here's what we're going to do. You're going to do, you're going to be okay? You got this? Okay, you got this. <laughs> well, uh, I was watching back through it. I mean, I watched from the beginning, and they, of course, they covered the first two movies that we've already dis- or first three we've already discussed. But uh, you know, it mentioned it brought up again, which I brought. I mentioned the trivia on part three, but like Freddie was like the or you know Robert England was like the uh, onset dad for all the kids in the Dream Warriors. Yeah, he said all the boys would come to him, and they were like, you know, uh, hey, uh, how do we get with uh, you know like uh, Joey in particular, like the actor who played Joey was like very very much uh, struck by Patricia Arquette, like yeah. he could not. He he even said he said Joey was me. He said I was a horn dog, and like he said I, he said she was my obsession, and then like he and he had to have been the one. But like Robert England mentioned that he's like they were coming up to me on set asking me how you know the best uh, tips I could give them to to get with Patricia, and he's like you know he's like hey, telling them he's like guys I'm that's not me. I'm not going to tell you how to like, yeah. work your mojo. You need to figure that out on your own, you know, but, uh, they looked at him as kind of like their onset dad, like giving them advice on how to date. <laughs> so, <laughs> Hey Freddie question real just, quick. I, it, uh, it's just funny. I mean, like yeah. you see him in interviews and like he is, he's the sweetest guy like in interviews and you can tell he's genuine with it whenever he's like, you know, he might charge an arm and a leg to get in the Freddie stuff. If you go to a convention, he is one of the highest ones and it sucks, but I understand it cause he doesn't, he hates having to dress up in that. So yeah, I, mean, I don't blame him. And you, the funny thing about it is you got to think of the early films is when they were doing the hours and hours of makeup. So anything he had to do that wasn't Freddie related, he was still dressed as Freddy Krueger. Yeah, there is a, a funny scene on that Never Sleep Again where they had a. Um, he's one of the the K uh, KLB or whatever guys or whatever. Uh, uh, the you know it was like the special effects guys who uh, uh, one of them went on to do The Walking Dead. And I, I I know I'm blanking on his name, but anyways, like there's three of them, and they they started out with Romero working underneath uh, Tom Savini, and like uh, and they went on and they you know uh, formed their own company, and like they worked with Sam Raimi at times, and got you know like. Uh, um, we mentioned uh, they were part of the cast that did that. Uh, the Sam Raimi felt Rob, I think it might've been uh, Rob Tappert's friend or whatever that did the one in the grocery store uh, serial killer. But anyways, like he was on this set, like he was hired in starting on part four and then really, you know, worked on part five. I think it's like Berg, like Robert Berg or something like that's his name. Yeah. But he was talking about it and he said that the former guy who did a roundabout way, going back to the story, he was working with a guy who'd done the Freddie makeup since part two. 
And that guy had really, you know, he was the one that developed the look that everybody knows of Freddie, you know, like the iconic when it was latex, you yeah. know, uh, makeup and all that. And it wasn't a mask. And he was working with him and the guy told him, he was like, he's like, uh, good luck with Robert. He's like, he will talk your friggin' ear off. He's like, I have to, he said, and he gave him some tips. He's like, when he gets really chatty, here's a way to shut him up. And like, uh, <laughs> and, and they showed it and they showed like a behind the scenes video, of Robert England. And it was like, it was hilarious because it was like watching some catty woman or whatever at a salon because he was sitting there and he was they were applying the makeup and he's just got his legs crossed and he's like very animated with his hands and he's like and you know and he's telling some story about how he was on broadway and some woman like you know uh you know slight or you know like uh you know got mad at him or something and he and they said he did it all the time like he and they said you would get the one guy who was the makeup director before Bergman or whatever his name is said that he got so used to hearing the same stories from Robert England that he would finish them for him and say, and tell him the next part, Robert, because he knew where he's going with the story. He got oh that used God. to hear. <laughs> uh, but I just, and, and, uh, and the guy from K- uh, KLB or whatever, the makeup was talking about how he got to the point where he got so uh, he, he wasn't saying annoyed, but he said he just got so tired of hearing the same stuff from Robert while they were the lengthy process of applying the prosthetics that he, um, he would deliberately like apply the makeup in a way that would like force Robert to shut his mouth so that he would have to hear it for a few minutes. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, but I mean, it's good that you have somebody that outgoing playing Freddie because oh, yeah. I mean, that that's, that's who he is. I mean, it so. would be intimidating if it, if it was the other way, like the Jason, uh, the guy, well, any Jason character, as far as I could tell, they all stayed in character and they just kind of avoided people. Well, and, and Kane Hodder, if you've ever met him, I mean, he's, he's not terrible in that sense, but he's a very, like, he's a very powerful looking guy in real life. Even if he is shorter than I am, yeah. like, he's very stocky and well-built and he's got to look to him and he's got a demeanor. That's like, yeah, he's the male version of resting bitch face. basically. Oh, and it's like, I'm I said, sorry. I heard he almost broke your hand off too. No, well, what he did was like, he, he, he likes to choke, uh, people whenever he's like, you know, he holds a machete in one hand and he's choking with the other. Cause I, you know, that's the classic, you know, yeah. especially undead Jason maneuver. Like he'll pick you up off the ground and then like, you know, give you the machete. But then like, I mean, he, he grabbed me by the throat was taking the picture and, and he, when he squeezes, he goes for the, I mean, oh it's not God. just like he puts his hand right <laughs> in your throat. He, I mean, my face was turning red, and like when uh, he let go, I, you know, I, I was able to breathe. Oh my god! Okay, that picture has to look amazing. <laughs> I, yeah, I've got it somewhere. It's, uh, it's pretty bad. Uh, you know, I was like, damn, like you really got in this fucking shit, dude. Like, oh my the- god. <laughs> I wonder if he, now, okay. I, heard he's, I wonder if he's like that with the kids though. With, he, I heard he's different with females. Oh, in a bad way. Like he's very, very like you know, like um, well, maybe it, it, he would be touchy, more touchy feely if he thought he'd get away with it. Type, if you understand what I'm saying. So, Woo-hoo! Um, no, I'm but like very flirty, and some people have gotten. Yeah, I've I've heard some women say they get uncomfortable around him because of the way he is. It just kind of depends. I've never heard that about Robert, though. Robert's always been, like, super nice to everybody. Oh, my God. So, with Kane Hodder, what you're telling me is there's a chance. (laughs) You like being choked out while you're going at it? (laughs) Uh, Anyways, you want to move into trivia for this one? Let's go into trivia. So, Stephen King and comic book writer Frank Miller were actually offered the role of writing and directing this movie. <clears throat> both turned it down for different reasons. Um, according to director Stephen Hopkins, 
they got lots of tarantulas, hand painted them green and red, and on the floor of the stage placed a little wall up uh, in the shape of an arm and had trainers come in and around the tarantulas. The plan was to simply drop the wall in the film, uh, uh, the resulting shatter- scattering of the spiders. However, after they got the shot, they were left with a studio full of uh, 200 angry tarantulas <gasps> and Hopkins figures we probably carried on shooting for another on, on another set i'm sure i don't think anyone ever found them again <gasps> as far as the director knows those spiders roamed freely through the studio and escaped into the free world oh my um, god uh so yeah they they had a bunch of tarantulas on set and uh they just let them go and never bothered to because like i said they were bouncing from set to set they just like somebody will clean it up and that's how it was no shut up okay hold on i need to they got lots of tarantulas, and then they hand-painted them. On the floor of the stage, placed a little wall up in the shape of the arm and had tarantulas come in and around, and had trainers come in and around the tarantulas. Okay, so these tarantulas weren't trained. They were just, they were just there. Yeah, they they were just there, and they just, uh, they, they might be in the studio. Somebody, I mean, the, the hope was that somebody uh, went around collecting them but hey i mean if you want to be the person collecting a bunch of pissed off tarantulas uh 200 to you know to be exact uh good on you that would not be my job and i would never uh no i would burn down that studio if it was me but i'm just saying yeah okay but wait a second how did they know they were angry this is scary (laughs) the plot thickens uh, they were probably giving them like the signs. I mean, like even a tarantulas. I mean, they don't have poisonous uh, bite like a like widow, but they still bite and like they they rear back and like kind of raise their front two legs, and let you know they're getting ready to strike. So they were uh-uh. probably doing that maneuver. Uh uh-uh. uh, I gotta go. <laughs> this is uh uh-uh. uh. Okay. <laughs> um. Uh, let's see. Well, actually, they, according to this, now he they said twelve weeks on Never Sleep Again, but this trivia says that he was given four weeks to shoot and then another four weeks to edit. So, which twelve weeks total? That m- kind of makes sense. They might have had another four weeks for post production. Mm. That makes it even worse because that means he literally made this movie in four weeks. Yeah. Oh my god. Like <laughs> they were shooting almost constantly by bouncing from one stage to the other. Uh, executive producer Sarah Reischer's original pitch to New Line, she was the one that kept going back to him, uh, for Dream Warriors was for Freddie to have a baby. Uh, Reischer's <laughs> stats, I went in, one of the executives was pregnant at the time, and I said, picture Freddie crawling, clawing his way out of the womb. No one liked my ideas, so then I got a call for Nightmare 5, and when, when they came to me, they said, remember that, that you wanted Freddie to have a baby? Well, we like that idea now. What if Alice was the mom? Um, so, folks, your dreams can come true, even if you're kind of a shitty producer that just kind of like, or executive that kind of comes up with, you know, whatever idea floats in your mind. <clears throat> the uh, laughter heard at the end, right before the credits roll, is a clip of Vincent Price laughing at the end of Michael Jackson's song, Thriller. Price's laughter is sampled at the beginning of Cool Mo D's song, Let's Go, which is played during the film's end credits. Um, I wonder if that's the laugh that I have of Freddie in our disclaimer. Mm, mate, well, I don't know because he does laugh at one scene. Yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, I, uh, the final, uh, a Nightmare on M Street film until, uh, Freddy versus Jason, the feature of the jump rope kids singing Freddy's rhyme. Yeah. Uh, when Alice and Mark look through the piles of newspapers for a moment, when the camera is on the article regarding Amanda Kruger's death, uh, in this article, producer Robert Shea is quoted as saying, She was a victim of the evil within us all. I hope she will know peace in the life hereafter. Wow. Uh, uh, at around six minutes during the sequence in which the nun, Amanda, is raped by the 
criminally insane. Robert England is wandering around the background with without his Freddie makeup, including one shot in which the camera lingers on him for a few seconds. No, well, of course. Uh, and he talked and he talks about that scene. They got two, or they got uh, at least a hundred or more extras to come in. They gave them no direction, and he said that it was actually scary, especially. And he said he actually even had to protect the actress who played uh, uh who Alice uh, Lisa Wilcox because he said all the direction they were give was that he said they were bumbling around, uh, you know, just in, you know, acting crazy. And then it really got into their parts. And then whenever they had to crowd around her, like it, he was actually scared for her and he moved in there at the last second and was like a body shield for her. Yeah. Um, uh, that would have been scary as fuck as, as, as her. Cause she mentioned it too. And she's like, I was legit frightened in that scene. Like she said, cause they, you know, even after they called like cut, they, it took them forever to stop, you know, Damn. Um, so I, <laughs> I'm not good with that. Uh, I, I, if I was, yeah, if I was a woman, I wouldn't be in that situation. I'm just saying. So yeah, you better put, um, give me some fucking film- trained professionals. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, when you get an extra, I mean, uh, yeah, I think extras. well, I don't even know if extras have to have their SAG cards, but I mean, you know, you can get any rando in the street from anywhere. Yeah. I mean, who's to say that they're not fucked up, you know? Um, <clears throat> Uh, the film opened at number three in the box office, but it disappeared thereafter, and it was the lowest-grossing film of the franchise. Robert England stated the film was a success, however. Uh, uh, and I don't know if he's just basing that on the fact that he liked it, you know, but, yeah. I mean, it did make money, so, I mean, it wasn't a bomb. It's just it, it didn't really go anywhere from, you know, the previous ones. Um. Uh, the final, uh, like, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street film to feature children living in Springwood, as we'll get into in part six, all the kids are dead in, you know, in the next movie. Uh, Lisa Wilcox's name appears on the opening credits, but not in the ending credits. And I don't, it doesn't give a reason why, but that's kind of weird. Um, if you were a Nightmare on Elm Street fan looking at the poster in 88 and 89, you were probably curious what the heck Dream Child meant and what was going on with the fetus and the crystal ball in Freddy's glove. Well, the people making the film thought the same thing, too, because the poster came out before they actually had a clear idea what the movie was <gasps> beyond its premise and title. Oh, my God. Yeah, they were having to turn these around. This was being turned around so quick that the poster was made before the script was. Fucking shit. <laughs> uh, writers John Skip and Craig Spector had to fight to get the credit for their work on the script, uh, but it, other than It's a Boy was the only thing that was actually kept. So, I mean, you know, but I, I guess if you're a screenwriter and they keep any of it, I mean, it's still yours, I mean, technically. Yeah. Uh, director Rennie Harlan, who directed Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4, wasn't able to return to direct this film due to directing Die Hard 2. So that <laughs> that's a movie I've seen with him that actually turned out okay was Die Hard 2. Yeah, there's um, probably a better choice that he did that, to be honest. Yeah. And uh, that's a pretty big movie. Uh, it's not a bad sequel. Um, and so I got to give him credit. I mean, like he, you know, that one has some skill to it. So it, it at least stands up versus part four and as far as that goes uh freddie was played by the screenwriter for the teaser trailer david uh, j shall one of the dream child script rewrite wizards actually got to be in the film that's shall's hand in the freddie glove at the end uh, the baby carriage was a big prop into which he would uh, fit uh but the lights had to uh, be placed inside the carriage almost causing his arm to catch on fire ow <laughs> It's like, okay, you're a screenwriter. You have to be Freddy, but uh, uh, hop in this uh, car- oversized carriage we got and uh, just don't burn yourself. 
Um, let's see. Uh, this one's actually from the other one. That's what I thought. As, I was like, like wait a second. Is that it again? Yeah. The, yeah, they just replaced that. Uh, baby Jacob was portrayed by a baby girl in the movie. Oh, uh, Which is kind of weird. It happens all the time, uh, though. It was... Yeah, I mean, they used to do that with kids, too. They would have, like, boys playing girls and girls playing boys in, like, different scenes for stuff, too. So, uh, it was introduced that Yvonne not only works as a nurse in Springwood Hospital, but also works as a waitress in Crave Inn along with Alice Johnson. Um, I guess that's okay for a nurse to be, like, but I don't know. That seems kind of weird, like, a nurse just being a waitress. Like, I mean, I figured, if anything, they'd be, like, double duty is, like, something else. Like, but yeah. I, I thought whatever. she was just a volunteer nurse. <clears throat> uh, maybe, maybe that, that, that's what, uh, and that would make more sense if she was. Yeah. Um, of course the scene with Freddie, Alice, Jacob, and then Dan is uh, rem- reminiscent of the scene in labyrinth. Like we've oh, said, yeah. I mean, it, it's pretty close. Uh, at around 49 minutes on the door to the Dr. Moore's office, just below his name, the name Dr. Talele can be seen. This is a reference to Jennifer Talele. I guess is how you say it who has been involved with the franchise since the beginning in various capacities. And most notably, she was the one that directed the Freddy's dead, the final nightmare that we're reviewing next. Yeah. Um, Alice is the first character in the series to have a child. Uh, when Mark is lying on the floor, looking through the comic books, he picks up the one titled nightmare from hell in the upper left corner. There is a KC in the capital letters above the 50 cent price indicator. This could stand for crew comics. Oh my God. Um, in this film, Freddy Krueger says bitch twice. Woo! <laughs> uh, this film was released in theaters the same month as the previous film, except eight days later on August 11th, 89. So they had like a year turnaround between these movies, which is insane. That's fucking wild. Uh, what we talked about was Scream, but they already had like the, he already had part of a script written for part two whenever he introduced it. This one was wholesale made up after the first one. Like that's how quick they turned this thing around. Yeah. Um, all death sequences were cut down significantly in order to avoid an X rating. Dan's original motorcycle death was longer and contained much more gore. Many sequences showing Dan's face racked in pain were cut out. Yeah, he screams and stuff a lot, making yeah. it way more painful in the, the other version. Uh, many sequences showing, uh, along with his screams and Freddy's laughter, uh, scenes which were on the screen for only a few seconds or several minutes long on film. The entire sequence is much longer and the timing of Freddy's quips are different. Uh, Greta's dinner scene was also edited. Originally, Freddy fil- uh, filleted the Greta doll with a claw glove, causing it to spurt blood everywhere. And then he force-fed her her own innards. Yeah. Um, shots of the guests laughing were cut, also cut. And after Freddie said, you are what you eat, he, she looked down and realized that she that he had gutted her and was feeding her mush from her own stomach. This explains why the Greta doll in Mark's stream is bleeding from its torso. And then finally, Mark's demise is also cut as Freddie shreds the paper in the unrated release. His face is animated and shows him screaming along to his cries of pain until Freddie cuts his, his paper head off. All three scenes can be viewed unedited in the original unrated uh, VHS release. Um. I think those would have made the deaths better if they would have been in there. They would have made it more, uh, I don't know, like gave more depth or punch yeah. to like him, you know, what he did in it. Uh, I have to uh, agree. In the document, go ahead. Oh, no, I just said I had to, I have to agree with that. Um, and not only that, but like at the beginning, his death was already long. So like how much longer was it that they cut it down, you know? I want to say that they said it was like two or three minutes more that they showed of him just being like in pure agony, like on screen or whatever. Like they really focused on how much it was hurting him. You yeah. Know, because he was getting like attacked. I mean, I like that, but you know, whatever. 
Uh, in the documentary Never Sleep Again, uh, director Stephen Hopkins admitted he thought Mark's death scene was silly, but being a comic book nerd, he just had to put it in there. And uh, they showed some of the storyboards that he made for this. Like that guy's the, the Stephen Hopkins is a legit like artist of his own right because like I mean it looks like a comic book like the storyboards do. Yeah, they were pretty cool looking actually. Um, the graduation sequence was cut down significantly to speed up the pacing of the film. As a result, there were several continuity errors. Along the cut footage was Dan's graduation speech dialogue between uh, Greta and Racine, a rap between Yvonne, Alice, and Greta, additional dialogue about parents and the future plans, and a scene in which Alice's father gives her a camera she has been saving up for his graduation present before she went to Paris. If you watch closely, you can see Alice hand her father a camera before they go to take the group picture. So um, they they cut a lot of like the little like inner stitchal stuff to kind of get like the group together and show that their relationships, I guess, you know, uh, but it makes sense. I mean, you, you focus on that stuff too much and it's kind of like, what, what's the point? So, uh, I wouldn't have wanted to seen the rap between Yvonne and Alice. No, thank you. I'm good. No, no, that is pretty good that they cut that. At around one hour and 20 minutes, school's out. Kruger was a replacement line when Whit Hertford Jacob, uh, who was a minor at the time, wasn't permitted to say, fuck you, Kruger. Oh my God. <laughs> Uh, in the love scene at the begin- opening of the film, the male actor is Michael Bailey Smith. He is the same actor that plays Super Freddy in Mark's Dream. Oh my God! He mentioned that too, like that actor, and he said, "He said so." I'm sitting here and I'm filming the scene for Super Freddy, and he said they come to him the next day and they said, "We got this love scene that we're going to start the movie at. So are you fine with like uh, having this uh, super, you know, like hot sex scene?" And he's like, uh, "Yeah, <laughs> duh." <laughs> He's like, uh, he said it was the greatest, like he said, it was the greatest day of his life. He's like, they're, they're paying him to do like something that he would just love to do anyway. So. Oh my God. Uh, when Alice wakes up from her nightmare in the asylum and one of the deranged, uh, Weston Hills patients who's portrayed by Robert England appears beside her in bed and pins her down. Originally he said, there's no such thing as safe sex. The line was cut from the film. Um, uh, I can, I can kind of see why. I mean, you know, you don't want to imply the rape more than it already is there. So, I mean, whatever. <laughs> uh, Mark, Mark is the only character in the film who uses dream warrior powers, though failed to confront Freddy. Um, he's, you know, whenever he becomes the prowler, basically. Yeah. Uh, all of Mark's drawings are supposed to come alive during his death scene, but were too long and were cut down. Uh, there was a nude body double that stood in for Lisa Wilcox during the scene where Alice's dream morphs into a nightmare. And uh, Mark, along with Dan and Debbie Stevens from A Nightmare on Elm Street 4, the Dream Master, are the only characters not to be human while being killed by Freddy. Mark was turned into paper, and then uh, Dan was a uh, skeleton-looking cyborg fused with yeah. a motorcycle, and then uh, Debbie was a cockroach. Okay. And, and then Amanda was the only character whose spirit appeared to roam both the real and the dream world. Um, so there's that to finish that out. So what do we think about Alice this time? Since you kind of reserved your thoughts from the last one. Um, I think she, I think she did a little bit better. Like I, I I like her more as a final girl in this film. Yeah. She's still not the best in the series in my opinion, but she, she's way better than she was in the fourth film for sure. Uh, Freddie, um, he's getting a little goofy in this one, (laughs) but I mean, I don't know. There, there's not enough of him in this one, uh, you know, versus the last one, uh, him acting goofy. So I feel like four was actually goofier in ways than he was in this one. Yeah. Uh, what's your best kill? 
Uh, I mean, there's only three to choose from, so it's not like it's a big choice. I mean, I like the comic book killing. Okay. Oh, well, uh, no, no. That wasn't the best one, though. It was definitely the first one, the beginning, the motorcycle one. Because it looked painful when everything was, yeah, when he motor- was morphing into it. Yeah, the motorcycle for me was definitely the best just because of the pain that, that they were portraying and all that. And then the comic book was cool. Uh, Greta's would have been fine if they would have showed the rest of the scene like we talked about. But, like, as is, it's like blink and you miss it, and it's just kind of dumb, you know, otherwise. Yeah, it just um, looks it just looks gross, and that's it. So, uh, We already mentioned, or I mentioned my favorite one is Bon Appetit bitch you know oh my from God. this as far as the one-liners but is there any that stood out for you in this one um i don't think so because i didn't mark anything down okay uh best scream is yvonne uh and uh i didn't mention this in the trivia she had extreme extremely bad food poisoning that, that <gasps> scene where she's on the diving board so with her being like broke out and sweaty looking and really pale and like she was on the verge of throwing up at every second she was filming that. That's Wait, how bad, but she though. had it, diarrhea? Uh, no, she had food poisoning. Oh, food so, like, poisoning. She was throwing up and, yeah. Oh, yeah, so, God. Like, she was a, She said that it was, like, ridiculous, like, trying to film that scene. And I would imagine, like, I mean, you know, because she, she looked like needed to be, like, at home in the bed or something. So. Damn. Um. Uh, best boobs. We don't have a lot of options in this. It's Alice during the shower and asylum scene because that transition where, and you don't really even see it. It's more side boob than it is full on, but yeah. it is what it is. It's the only boobs you get. So, uh, yeah, you, you get what you get and you don't throw a fit if you like the tit. So, shut well, up. Deal with it. <laughs> uh, best side character. I'm going to give this to Dennis Johnson, and this is a wholesome best side character because he was a shit. Uh, drunken. Oh uh, yeah, father in the last one, and in this one he is supportive. He's the only father in the entire. I mean, that was one of the trivia at one point, and I cut it out. Well, he's the only parent in the entire Elm Street series that's actually supportive of his kid, and good on this guy. Like, I would play a clapping sound for him right now if we had access <laughs> to something like that. Play. Uh, but I mean, good on you, sir. You 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 saw that your daughter was in a bad way. You lost your son, but instead of t- turning and then like Nancy's father did and turned into the bottle, you actually went the opposite way. You dropped the bottle and you actually became the parent you were supposed to be. Yeah, and he was uh, even and like... he even stood by her whenever she was... Pre- oh. He even stood by her when she was a single... going to be a single parent. Like, she had Dan's parents there telling her that she should, you know, give the kid over to them, that she was uh, uh, too shitty of a person to be able to raise her own child, which is ridiculous. And uh, they said she was too crazy because of her old Freddie thing. And her father stood beside her and was like, no, honey, you do what you need to do. So, yeah, um, at the graduation, too, he was like, oh, you know, I stood off to the side because I, I, in case, you know, I didn't want to embarrass you. And I was like, oh, yeah. So congratulations, Mr. Johnson. You are the uh, you are the best that, that the, the Elm Street parents or I guess Springwood parents can be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how annoying is the Doom Prophet? But again, it's Alice in this movie uh, or well, in this one, it's Alice. It's but it's the final girl in this movie again. She's. I mean, she's not really annoying. I mean, she's got a reason to be. Like, yeah. she's getting dragged in the dreams <clears throat> that her fucking baby's doing. It's not like it's her own fault. Yeah, fucking baby. Um, Yeah, it's in, she's not, <sighs> it's weird because in the, in the one prior, yes, she's only, she's still speaking truth, but it was just annoying. This time it wasn't. Yeah, there's a way to deliver it. It's not, and, and like, it wasn't, I mean, 
And in this one, I mean, she did have Dan who believed her. I mean, like he was trying his best to get back to her whenever she said that Freddie was back. It's just that he happened to go to sleep for a split second. And then there he was, he was, you know, uh, Freddie got him. So, yeah. Um, uh, honorary Franklin award. I'm giving to Mr. And Mrs. Jordan, uh, Dan's parents, like what, what pieces of shit? Like they flat out, she's just lost uh, Dan. I mean, they've lost their son. And instead of being like somewhat sympathetic to her being like, you know, now like a single parent, like, you know, um, they turn around like, well, you're obviously too mentally unhinged. So, uh, give us our grandchild and, uh, we'll call it a day. Yeah. You know, <laughs> And uh, I don't know about dumbest moment. I don't really feel like, I mean, A, there's not enough room for dumbest moment because there's only three deaths. But at the same time, like nobody in this movie really made any, uh, they, they didn't do anything to bring Freddie back. Uh, they, uh, Alice did her best to try to like, you know, get rid of him before he fully manifested. Um, Yvonne, even though she didn't believe Alice, wouldn't do, wouldn't do anything out of, out of the way to, to hinder Alice. So I didn't really, there wasn't anybody in this movie that I felt like was uh, really that dumb. Yeah, no, because they all kind of, they all kind of came to when they needed to. It kind of sucks that it took so long for Yvonne, but it is what it is, you know. Um, she didn't remain a naysayer, so I don't know. I think it worked out ultimately. So, uh, anything you want to add about this one? I mean, is is this officially your favorite of these uh, of this trilogy, or do you want to wait and then compare them at the end? Mm, let's go. We might as well just do the last one, and then we can say our piece there. <laughs> <laughs>